Hey there, I'm Amanda Soler, founder of SoulfulLiving.com and creator and host of this podcast, Soulful Connections. This podcast offers a way to connect the dots between the lives we're living and the lives we want to live. You'll get to meet or get to know better people in our community who are willing to share what makes their lives meaningful, what brings them joy, and even how they've overcome obstacles that have been thrown their way. So find a cozy spot or keep driving and doing what you're doing, and let's connect. Connection. So today I have with me two people who have just been in my life for so long that I feel like the the word friend doesn't even come close to describing them because I feel like it's just more special than that. We have been friends since, since I knew friendship was a thing. So I'm here with Linda Cunningham Poya and Lorraine Sedegran Kalcheski. Hello, Linda. Hello. Hello, Lorraine. Hello, Amanda. <laughs> um, so Linda and I met before grade school, and I guess probably we were three. I, I, we've just known each other since you can know somebody. Right. And Lorraine and I were at the advanced age of six. <laughs> <laughs> we were in first grade, and we were both six because we are both our July birthdays. Yes. Exactly. So, you know what? Let's just like revisit our early years together. Okay. Sounds good. What do you guys remember? Like, what are the, the, what was our friendship like back then? What were we like? What was our childhood like together and separately? I remember that my brothers, I had two older brothers who went to the school before me. So I think in my case, that helped me a bit. Uh, I kind of knew a little bit about what to expect at St. Jude's and I got to ride the bus with them. So I wasn't on my own. And I remember that was very comforting to me to have older siblings that were already there. And when I got there, I was lucky enough to have a few friends like you from the neighborhood who I'd also kind of already known. So that made me feel a little more comfortable. Um, but I think we just were all so, and not that I'm trying to speak for you guys, but I just remember being so curious about these other kids in these classes and who were they going to be like and, and was I going to make new friends and what group, I think I even already knew at that point that there were like groups and which group was I going, you know, to fit into. That's so interesting to hear. Even as a parent, it's so interesting to hear because I don't even, I almost can't really fully remember. What do you... What, what about you, Lorraine? I would say this, the same thing, like, because Janice was in my neighborhood, like, she was who I think I clung to. I mean, I had an older sibling. My sister was three years older, so she was at St. Jude. So I kind of, and I was very shy, shy kid. So I kind of, like, clung to Janice, who was the youngest of 10. So she was used to being bossed around and stuff, too. So, um, but... My best memories of St. Jude 
were recess because I felt like that's where we really got to interact with each other. Yeah. Like when I look back at St. Jude, I picture us on the playground, which was blacktop. Yep. Really. We didn't get to go to the swing set all the time. Um, and jump rope and chalk. Yeah. And in our uniforms. Um, yes. <laughs> which, you know, is, but that's what I remember. And like you said, I do feel there was, you know, you could see who was grouped probably from neighborhoods though. You know, like I said, I was with Janice and Maureen, like people who were on my bus. Yeah. Yes. That's true, actually. And then as, you know, we were in school and like recess is where I really remember interacting and getting to know the other kids in that way. Right. Yeah. And I, I too, and I had the same thing that uh, you had one older sister. I had an older sister and an older brother, and I always felt kind of protected by them. And, and, you know, I do remember recess and singing. I remember yes. a lot of singing and cheers. And sometimes we would play like squish the lemon when we were able to go on the playground. And I guess that's where we played out our whole social dynamics. And, you know, I was thinking this morning, knowing that we were going to all be talking, I think I always joke around that I have such good taste and I always bring it all back to me. <laughs> like I just knew who to pick and I knew how to pick them <laughs> because when I think about knowing you guys for so long and yet when I think about the conversations that we have right now, they're conversations of depth and you guys are both really interesting thinkers and you're so supportive supportive and you're so loyal and you're so much fun. There's so many great things about you. And I think, wow, I was <laughs> so highly skilled <laughs> at friend selection. But you know, sometimes I also was thinking this morning, I think there's a little bit of a mystical aspect to it too. I really do think that you guys are meant to be in my life. And you know, because it wasn't like we just stayed a hundred percent together from right early right. ages to exactly. now. That's you know, true. we've come apart, come together, right. you know, depending upon whatever different stage of life. Right. Yes. I mean it's right. you know, like yep. I said, different stages of life that you know, then we kind of met up again. Yeah. And um so I do feel like it was kind of it's just meant to be. Right. Because I do love when we get together, we literally talk about anything and everything right there is no topic that is off limits because i think there's just that comfort that we like i feel safe saying anything about anything because you guys are not going to judge me or be like oh i don't like you because you feel that way or think that way you know yes. so there's that you know comfort and safe place but i do think it was meant to be because we did go off in different directions at times right. but yes and we each have our own individual relationships as well as our collective yeah. relationship yeah, and our right. own individual memories as long as our as well as our collective yes memories and there is a safety i was just talking to you guys earlier about going through this thing where i always know you guys have my back you know we've been through great joys together and we've been through great tragedies together yeah, right. and we're always there for each other and I think we can make bad choices and we're there and we can make good choices <laughs> and we're there you know yeah. and I think that's a really special special thing 
Um, so I'm going to ask you some questions that I just ask people on this little special podcast that I have. Okay. Um, so like what fuels you? What kind of gets you going through the day? We all get up, we go to work um, or, or not, depending upon the day. What is the thing that kind of you think about that kind of is a thread through your life or that drives you? You know, this is going to sound very old fashioned, uh, probably, but I really do think a lot of it is my kids, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I really like That's get up every day and I'm so interested yes. to see where their lives are taking them. What are they doing? How can I help them? Um, it's a little more difficult for me with my oldest, Julia, because she is truly now the only child of the three that is completely out on her own. She has a job. She doesn't live with us. She supports herself financially. Um, and so with her, it's actually harder for me because I feel most myself and most useful and most excited to get up in the morning when I feel like I'm helping them reach their potential and get to where they need to be. And with Ashley still being um, in school right now, going for her doctorate and PT, she still needs me. You know what I mean? She still yes. needs me to help her out. And um, I'm making her dinners for her and, and you know, we watch her dog for her. We, do, we feel like we're doing things for her to help her get through this um, part of her life. And of course, CJ, he's uh, getting ready to go off to college. So this is a really crazy time. I know, mm -hmm. Lauren, you just yes. went through it. Uh, with your youngest a year mm -hmm. ago, but you know, helping them navigate that and trying to, cause that's a huge decision for them. And you know that as well. I do. And a lot of decisions. So a lot of work for them too. So it's a, like, uh, right. It's yeah. a little scary, but it, it excites me. So when I get up in yes. the morning, you know, I'm like, Ooh, you know, what, what are you going to do? Would you say that that was always like your dream when you were a child? Did you think, yeah, I want to be a mom. Yeah. I think I always knew I wanted kids. I really did. I, uh, which is kind of interesting because in all honesty, my mother had once told me that she wished she didn't have to. She came up in an era where it was just expected. There was no other calling for a woman than mother. And she admitted to me years later, you know, I don't know that I would have had kids had that not been just expected of me. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, I was the opposite of that. I was like, that's definitely something that's in my future. That is, I knew that from, I think from grade school, that yeah. oh, someday I will have kids. Sadly, it, I think it was more important than having a husband, to be totally honest with you. It was yeah. like, yeah, everybody wants love and certainly you want to get married. But if you had asked me to rank that as a younger person, I would have been like, kids, I, I definitely yes. want to be a mom someday. What do you think about when they're all out. Do you think about that? No. <laughs> I'm too afraid. Yeah. I mean, here's, here's the good thing. I had the most awesome friends as we were just talking about now our friendship and how much it means. And it's has saved me. You guys don't even know more times that I can count. That's what I think about. I'm like as upset as I'm going to be when all three of them are out and like Julia on their own, doing their own thing. And they really don't quite need me like, you know, a couple of them do now. I just have best friends and I know that you guys would be there and I could meet with you yeah. and talk with you. And so I feel like that's what's going to get me through. 
going. You can do like trips. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> girls weekends, baby. I'm ready so, for those. So what about you, Lorraine? What is kind of fuels you throughout your day or propels you through your day? I have to say, I mean, like Linda, I wake up and my first thought is the kids, but I'm an empty nester now. So, oh, it, which is really That's crazy really to hear. I mean, the oldest is working actually with Linda's daughter, with Julia. <laughs> I'm at the same school teaching, which is school district of Lancaster. So it's not even like it's local to, right. but that they both so ended weird. up. And then, you know, Matt's at school and now Becca, my youngest is five hours away, which is really tough. So I have to like wake up and take like mental notes of who's where, what they're doing that day. Like, is there anything I need to worry about for them that day? Um, and then I have to say the other thing, like, you know, then I work part-time, so like say three days a week. Um, and I like my job, you know, registering in a hospital, um, no big deal except for um, I enjoy talking to the patients. Cause you know, I mean, at one point I wanted to be a nurse, but then injuries from a car accident kind of physically that. do that. So like the hospital is strangely enough where I'm comfortable. And I do like dealing with the patients because I've been a patient enough times to know even for a simple test, you could still be nervous. So I do just try to always, you know, so that part I, I do love that I try to put people at ease. You're really and, good at it. You know, so thank you. Um, so that part is like, I can't imagine not having that either. But my mom kind of, I mean, she was an executive at a big company. And she worked, you know, at a small store um, in Doylestown. Then she worked a little store in the mall. But then she became an executive. So she was all about, like, you know, she had me take, like, um, computer classes right out of high school because I wasn't going right to college. And, you know, like, she built for, like, a professional career, mm -hmm. you know, and I had to get, like, a real job job with full-time with benefits, like, yeah, if I wasn't going right to college, I had right. to work full time, and right. um, so I think I always kind of knew that I would, you know, work, have a career. Yeah, yeah. But the kids were always, you know, especially you know because I had trouble having kids, so they they all I think I appreciate that even more. Yes, because going through so much to to get to that point, I think really just kind of. You don't take it. You value it. Yes. It's like, you know, you're like, I went through, worked so hard, went through so much to, to get them that, you know, sometimes maybe I squeeze them a little too tight. <laughs> well, see, the ironic part for me as well, we both had yes. very difficult times yep. uh, having our children. So for someone who dreamed of it, even as a youngster, yes. to find out later that I was going to have to hit such a wall to have them. And, you know, it took us four years, at least four or five years before we did, you know, I finally was able to have my daughter. So I, I really yeah. understand what you're saying there. So I think then your focus kind of, you know, shifts a little bit um, because you do know that you're never going to forget that right. and all the disappointments and all that you went through. So I feel like, you know. Well, sometimes I'll say to my kids, you don't know what I had to go through. <laughs> <laughs> well, it also says something about your determination. Both of your determination and your because you know, you didn't give up. You could yeah. have given up many a time, you know, and the fact that you you did something so at times harrowing or 
disappointing to say the very least, you know, is a, really a testimony to your strength. Um, and what about, was your dream when you were younger to be a nurse or, it, or one of many dreams? It was, it was one of, I was always interested like in medical stuff. Like when I was a kid, Quincy was my favorite job. Was he oh, was like a forensic thing? I remember right? Jack Coleman um, and House and like always medical stuff. So it was like I was very always interested in the medical. And still, the shows I like the best are Who Do I Call When <laughs> yes. I Need My Medical Information? Okay, I'm just saying. Sometimes Amanda knows I do feel like I am a doctor because she asked me that question. I do. And you have actually really helped <laughs> when I have needed medical information so. for my kids. So I start there and yes. then you. So it's, you know, but that is where my, yeah, so my interest. But I just kind of felt, you know, and I'm lucky that even though the nursing thing couldn't work out that um, that I was able to at least get a job because I did take some nursing classes. So it did help me get a job at a hospital, even though it's clerical, I still like to feel more important than I really am. <laughs> but you are, because the truth is too, when we're there in the hospital for testing or for anything, I don't know who has what skill. You know, when I'm there, I assume everybody knows everything. And, there are certain people who you just feel helped by and you're one of those people. And I will even say, you know, certain people, it is a calling because when I was in, I stayed in the hospital for a long time with one of my daughters, yeah. as you both know. Yeah. And one person, her name was Janine and she would come in to take the trash. And I just will tell you guys that she meant everything to me. And wow. I can't even tell you, she would come in to take the trash, but she would always say, you know, she's going to make it. I feel like she's going to make it. And I would oh, think, wow. wow, yeah, she wouldn't say that. You know, it was when things were very dicey. And for some reason I thought, well, she, I felt like she knows or something. I don't know. But she had this compassion and this heart. And I really can picture her to this moment. So I do think that everybody in that hospital or healthcare environment is extraordinarily important on a level that I hope they each know, because when you walk up to that counter, it's usually not your finest moment. Right. You yeah. Know? And angels come in all forms. I agree. That's so she, I could just think yeah. she was an angel for you at that time. Yeah, she really was. I mean, I could do a whole show on Janine. <laughs> I really could. Um, so, Back to childhood, I've been thinking about childhood, just probably knowing that I was going to be talking to two people who are very much in my adult life, but also were part of my childhood. Do you have any memories in childhood that you think of as defining? I mean, we have many memories that are defining, many events that are defining. There's not one that shapes us. There are many. But is there anything that you think, yeah, this kind of set the stage for who I am or who, what my life would be. I don't know. I don't know that I can come up with one, um, one thing. There was some, I don't want to call it fighting, disagreeing with my mother and some of her siblings. Um, so I feel like that made me become more protective because they had to do with 
treatment of my grandmother. So I felt like I became, at one point my grandmother came to live with us and I quit my job, which I was a waitress at a retirement home. It wasn't a big job. You were I was good a at teenager, it though. but I, I was, worked there too and I was bad at it. Lorraine was good, so I'm just saying. <laughs> but, <laughs> they missed her, they didn't miss me. <laughs> but yeah, just to kind of like, she needed somebody to be with her and my mother was working like she had it. So I guess like maybe that kind of, because at that point I felt protective of my mother because mm -hmm. of things being said about her um, and about my grandmother who was not getting treated the way she should have been treated. Um, so I guess I'd have to say that because that's something that stands out for me, you know, that my grandmother was always a huge part of, even though she lived in Philly and we lived in Chalfont, she was always a huge, huge part of our lives. And that kind of is a big thing from my childhood. So, Linda, what about you? So, I'd say there are two defining moments, but they're hand in hand. And that is uh, my parents were not doing well. We kind of all knew they were about to get divorced. My father was actually living in my bedroom. I was living with my mother, which I'm not happy about. But still, I was coming home from school with another friend of ours, uh, Jennifer Wilson, and I saw that my dad's car was in the driveway. And I became immediately excited because he was never home that early. And I was like, Jennifer, my dad's home. And I ran from where we were at that point, you know, to my house. So excited my dad was home from work early. And it turned out he was getting all of his things with a buddy of his from work and putting him in his car to leave. Oh. So that immediate excitement was brought down quickly with the realization um, powerful, that, right? Yeah. That he was leaving, so that's something. I'll and he was, by the way, just to add in, as somebody who knew you back then, your guy. Yes. He was your he everything. Was. Yes. He was yes. your world. I was closer to Noah than my dad. Yes, absolutely. He was. He was everything. So then, the other defining moment, but a little happier. Well, a little both was okay. the day that I then left my home to go live with him. And it turned out to be a little bit rougher of a day than we expected because, um, ironically, as I was literally taking to his car the last bit of clothes that I had from my bedroom, my mother's car comes around the corner. And so obviously she knew right. that I was leaving that day to go live with my father. And I remember standing at the passenger side door. He's already in the car. Car's going. And freezing when I saw her car and he, I just remember hearing his voice saying very calmly, Linda, get in the car. And so I, it kind of woke me up from seeing her car come around the, the corner and I did. Um, and we left, but she followed us. So we eventually did have to stop and talk to her just for a few minutes. But that again was another defining moment, but as tough a day, even as that was with her following us and me eventually having to talk to her. Um, that at least was, I was running to something. I knew even yes. at, I was almost, I wasn't quite 13, but I knew as that 12 year old, almost 13 year old girl, that as tough as this day was, I was going to something that was going to be good for me. And so wow. that kind of was, was a nice thing. You know what that reminds me? that you know people we all romanticize childhood and we're like childhood is golden and it's this and you're that and you're the youthful happy days of childhood and you think what children experience 
And they don't have the benefit that we do when we experience these horrors as an adult because you haven't lived that long. Right. So, um, because you're experiencing everything, you know, you have to be courageous. You have this feeling of what am I doing to somebody else? But I have to do this for myself and exactly. all of those things right. that for a young person are really huge. Right. And do you think that impacted either the way you parent or the way you live? Like how did that, something that dramatic, I would think had to somewhat alter the trajectory of your life. In I some sure way. hope so. At least I have told my children many times <laughs> that uh, because of the childhood I had, I knew immediately the things I did want to do, but more importantly, the things I did not want to do. Um, and I really feel pretty good. I cannot tell you that 100% of the time with my children, I always met that level. Really? You weren't like the perfect <laughs> human being? <laughs> uh, not always. Um, but I worked really, I was very conscious of it. And I worked really hard to, to do that, to make sure the things that um, were tough for me growing up, I didn't put my kids through. And then the, then there were, there were many good things about my upbringing as well. And I wanted to make sure I always brought those things with me, you know, with I, which I did, but here I think was the most important. And of course you'd have to ask my kids, um, in the end, if they feel it was as important, but the one thing was that if you remember back when we were growing up, parents never apologized to their kids. They just didn't. It was actually like a sign of weakness, I think, almost back then considered to be that if a parent apologized to their child for something. And so certainly, and especially from my mother, I never got that. I never got an apology, no matter what things might have gone on that really should have been apologized for. And that I was almost militant about as a parent. My children have heard me apologize to them mm -hmm. because there were days that I didn't meet that standard that I did yell way before I should have, or I got over upset about something that really didn't need right. that much. Yeah. Um, and the next day I would say, I'm sorry. Right. I'm sorry I yelled at you about that. Mom was having a bad day. Um, let's, let's talk about that a little more and what you and I can do to make whatever that situation was better in the future. So I just, I feel good in knowing that my, that I apologize to my kids for things that I did um, and that they know I hope now the parents are just as human as everybody else out there. Right. I think yeah. that they used to believe like this, you know, they had children should be seen and not heard. Right. And, you yeah. know, it was like a different philosophy, right. I think, back in the day. Yes, I agree. But you guys have been through so many different things, so many wonderful things watching you with your beautiful children and and just your lives. And then you've dealt with, um, you know, things that I haven't dealt with. You've you've lost Lorraine, you've lost both parents. Linda, you did recently lose your dad who was, I mean, so, so close to you. Right. Lorraine, you lost your father while you were giving birth. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. That. Is a yeah. And one of the things, I mean, you had a horrible accident that, um, changed your life, you know, on the plus side, I do remember. <laughs> I know what's coming. You know what's coming? <laughs> so I would take Lorraine 
out in a wheelchair. You know, I'm still like, okay, we were like going out before this happened. Can we like, you know, still make this happen? We have clubs to visit. You're fine. So I remember taking Lorraine to, you know, the mall. And I remember your Lorraine, your your mother going, her bones are gold. Treat them like gold. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You know, and I do remember one time I went down the ramp at the mall. The mall, yes, at the circular ramp. Yeah. And you would have thought going down would be easier than going up. Well, except for it was a big metal wheelchair. Yeah. Plus me in it. And little Amanda, and I, I was running. Gravity, took over. Gravity, was Gravity took over. I'm running, and Lorraine keeps trying to grab the railing, <laughs> and I'm screaming, "Don't grab the railing!" Because I'm thinking the she's wheelchair yelling, and I are going to keep going. Yes, yes. So all of that was happening. But here's the thing that I remember: all of a sudden, one day we go to the mall, and Lorraine starts going, "I have um, physical therapy coming up. What do you think?" Do these earrings look nice? <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this shirt? And I was like, okay, I got to know. Who is that physical therapy? And it turns out that Mike, yes. Lorraine's husband, of course wasn't your husband at the time, at the time no. but had fallen while rock climbing. Yes, yeah. And um and and sure enough, he was in, he had been in a coma, I think. Yeah, he was for in a coma for a few days, and he was actually medevac to Lehigh, then he was transferred to Doylestown. I've been medevac to Hahnemann, transferred to Abington, then Doylestown. So it's just kind of odd how we ended up at the same hospital like a month, I guess a month and a half in from my accident, maybe like a month from his. Um, and yeah, we just kind of. Really the only, there was three Isn't of us that, that were young, so we kind of like hung together. Fun, yeah. Because um, yeah. everybody else was like a good, you know, 40 years older than us at least. And that's when I think <laughs> that there is like something a little <clears throat> mystical happening at, at play yeah, in the world because like that is really, really amazing. But I think one of the things that I love so much about both of you is your ability to still be some two of the most fun people to be around. And I really, you've got these beautiful laughs and senses of humor and you're fun and funny. And I think you both dealt with your share of tragedy, but somehow you're two of the most joyful people who I know. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I wonder, like, do you think that's just something that's innate within you? Do you think it's something that you cultivated? What is that, do you think? always had and I that's a really good question because I don't know I think it just was born in me because I don't remember anyone sitting me down and telling me this but even at a very young age somehow I knew in my head that no matter how bad the thing was that it had just happened to me somebody out there had it worse and that is always what I went to immediately was don't feel sorry for yourself too long yeah maybe this happened to you today or your mom did this or whatever um, but somebody out there Yes. Way worse than you. I so, remember that about yeah, so you. Be gra grateful for that. Don't let yourself wallow in whatever it is that you're dealing with. That was just always my mindset. You know, I remember us very young in elementary school. I don't know how old we were, but something had just happened in your life that was really traumatic. 
And I remember you saying to me, we were in my backyard where we did many a fine performance. (laughs) (laughs) We did. We sang Bohemian Rhapsody in parts, you know. To, to oh, we did. Listen to it. We were I would have paid you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm we were sorry convinced. I yeah, oh, it was, have to do this for it was me. the greatest rendition yeah. of that song ever. I know. <laughs> I know. We we did. <laughs> but I remember you sitting there uh, on this white bench we had back back in my backyard, and you said, "You know, this happened." But I was laying in bed, and I thought, "Well, at least I have two legs." Some people don't have two legs. <laughs> and you said, at least I have two arms. Some people are missing arms. And she did. I was a little macabre, child, but... <laughs> you said... That's going she, she did, and we were very young, and she said, I can hear. Some people can hear. It went on, and I was, and, you know, I was young enough <laughs> that I thought, she's got a point. She's got a point. But I also remember, Linda, the other thing that always stay with me about you is that one time you were, I guess, now we would just say you had tremendous leadership skills. Oh, dear. Oh, no. <laughs> Let's my just say, no, I'll just say, <laughs> Linda was telling these kids who were her friends what to do. I was a bit of a bully. Okay. They I were doing it. I mean, Linda, you didn't tell me what to do. No. Isn't that interesting that you and I never had that relationship? No, we didn't. Never. But I observed this, you know, but Linda was like, hey, walk in the creek. (laughs) Everybody would walk in the creek. And, you know, this was happening. So anyway, they all got mad. Lorraine might have been part of this posse, whatever. (laughs) It wasn't the creek deck. No, but whatever, they all stopped talking to Linda. And it was a big, I mean, when you think about it, it was just what. It was extremely necessary. It was horrific for me at the time, yeah. but I would go back and thank every one of them for that. As, as horrific as an experience that was to wake up one morning and have no friends. Well, I shouldn't say no friends. Like I said, you and I no, were but, always but still was, there, but right. that was my core group of friends. That was your core group of friends. So I suddenly had nobody. Yes, so that exactly. was extremely frightening yes. to go into school and know this. Yes, because this was her, they were her going group. to do things to me. Not yes. horrible things, but things like ignore me or look away from Yes, they did. They never... But this but is so necessary. But like Linda it literally changed who I was, and I'm grateful for it. It did. Yeah. But I will just say this. This is kind of remarkable. You said, again, we were probably at the bench. <laughs> <laughs> the site of many a deep conversation, and maybe whoever, however old we were, you said, Tomorrow I'm turning over a new leaf. Mm-hmm. Now let me just tell you, how many people have you heard say that? I've said it. I was going to say, I've said it myself like a million times. I say it about a lot of things. 15 minutes, maybe. (laughs) Tomorrow I'm not going to eat this. Tomorrow I'm not. Linda said, I'm turning over a new leaf. And she turned over a new leaf. It definitely changed me. But the discipline, the learning, the I'm moving forward, she moved forward differently. That is I would have to believe so rare. We live in a world where people do not take ownership at all of anything that they do. And we look at our leaders, our country's leaders. We look at our business leaders. And, you know, I live in a world where people do not own any deficiencies, which we all have them. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not born perfect and we probably don't die perfect. 
but you at this young age were able to do that. And for me, I will say as, as your friend and as somebody watching you, that was a learning lesson, you know? And the other good thing, the side thing that I learned from that was that it forced me to put myself out with people in that class that I did not normally hang out with. Yeah, that's true. And some of them were very receptive and very nice to me. Um, letting me like play with them now, yes. letting me, you know, I remember even some of the very popular, I was sitting behind one of the very popular girls in our uh, seventh grade. And when one of the kids of that group did do something to me, you know, she was so upset for me and was like, that, that's not right. It, they shouldn't have just done that to you. And I remember I wasn't really that upset by whatever had just happened. But the fact that this popular girl who didn't really know me all that well at all was sticking up for me. I learned a lesson there too about sometimes when you are forced to step out of your comfort zone, you may have to go to people that you don't normally talk with or, but you know what, yeah. sometimes they can be very welcoming and they can really help yes. you grow. And actually, you know, what you're also reminding me as we're all the three of us talking about this is it's one of the reasons why if you don't have friendships, from childhood, I feel bad for you. Yes. Because we we have this shorthand. When we get together, we don't really have to go, well, this is why I act the way I do. Well, I or this is have to explain the history right. about what's going on now because we've already got the history, we know the history. So we can just jump right in. <laughs> right. And we don't have any artifice because you know what? We've been there, you know throwing up on the floor yes. or whatever in whatever grade yeah. where they get up the sawdust and, <laughs> and the awkward you, phases like that's right you know, we know we've all gone through them right um you know so it's like so i feel like we've seen each other at our worst yeah. and our best and everything in Absolutely. between so i feel yeah. like there doesn't have to pretend no anything you know and that helps me go through life with other people as well mm -hmm. because i know i have these people in my life i don't actually have to pretend really anywhere because yeah. even if somebody hates me or is disgusted by me <laughs> i know Imagine i don't know disgust they're just disgusted i know i have these people that i can go you know what they hate me and you guys will go they hate you <laughs> you know and um so, okay, I like to ask people, do you have any books or movies or shows that have really made a lasting impact on you? They're either a favorite or you feel really good that you saw it or read it. I love, and you guys know this already, um, The Sound of Music. That just oh, yeah. makes me happy. I have a love for music. I'm a kind of kid that knew the words to every song growing up. I just love music. And then that movie just spoke to me. Don't know if I necessarily know why, just in such a way. Um, as far as books go, I'm really big in autobiographies. I love to oh. read other people's lives for some reason. Yes. I find that fascinating. And even they're usually celebrities, but not even like big ones. Like Greg Luganis had a book that was amazing that he wrote about his life and what he went through. Um, and well, Gilda Radner, she's very famous, but her book was awesome considering like her cancer and what she went through. Um, I just read one about Sally Field of all people, huh. you know, who yeah. was, you know, a big actress when we were young, you yeah. know, she hasn't done too much recently. 
Um, but her life was fascinating. So I don't know what it is about other people's lives that I oh. enjoy getting into. <laughs> yeah. And I do learn from them. Yeah. I learn kind of from their mistakes or their wisdom. And you know something interesting about Sound of Music is if you think about how lilting and happy and joyful it is, and yet the background True. is yes. completely terrifying yes. and dark. Yes. Yes. So I can see why that <laughs> would be like a draw. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Lorraine? Um, I guess I usually, for, I don't watch a whole lot of like TV show, TV shows anymore, but movies like Sound music is a special thing. We watched it every Thanksgiving at my aunt and uncle's house. So that's, you know, I've seen it a zillion times. And um, usually musicals like, um, I mean, Mama Mia, The Greatest Showman, like I can watch those things a thousand times and probably have. Um, just because I like to sing. I'm not good at it, but I like to you sing are anyway. With you. And so. I think that that is a thing that is the three of us and um, many of our friends. I mean, yeah. we actually have a lot of people in St. Jude who love music and love to sing. Isn't that yeah. interesting? Yeah. And I feel like, you know, because I remember in St. Jude, like singing the songs from Greece, which yes. is kind of inappropriate for a Catholic school. I, yeah. It is also, funny that that was our music class. You brought And with all the words, and I remember us like in groups. Yes, singing in like I think it was eighth grade. Did the Catholic like, Church actually ask people not to go see it? Probably. So it's it is crazy, crazy that, our that school, we right? were allowed to, but it was great music. It I was, guess our teacher loved the music too because yes. we used to. So we we did like summer loving. Like, yeah, you know it's even when you think about that song, but we all gathered around and we learned the different yes, parts. The I boys know. and the girls were singing together. And now then you know when I was a grown up and I you know even watching the movie and I'm like. This was yeah. not really very good to be <laughs> in like eighth grade in a Catholic school. But, you know, like a lot of it went over my head. I just like the songs and the music and, you yeah. know, so I'm usually like, cause music just makes me happy. So, you know, if, if it's got music in it, then I'm, you know, Damn. happy about it. Yeah. So you guys, well, I don't know how much Oprah you guys loved but i watched it was appointment television for me did you guys watch oprah one yeah in fact i just watched yeah. it last night she has a uh a show on apple tv you know that no oh, oprah has a show on apple tv it's called in conversation with and she oh, has i'm watching it amazing conversations in fact the one with matthew mcconaughey is awesome oh, i am going to watch it so you can tell yes i'm still oh, very I much in i haven't seen any of those so okay they're I'm good have to look, at it look those up there i will too because honestly there are certain things that i think that i think i came to on my own and when i think back on it i think oh no oprah introduced <laughs> that concept <laughs> to me you know what i mean right, yeah. because if you think of the world people our kids have no idea of the world in which we were raised you know when right. you think about you know i look back at my Halloween costume and I was a Native American, you know, right. and I had like war paint on oh, my face. Yeah. And I do know that that isn't something I would do, do today, right. but I didn't know better back then. And that's just tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. stuff, right. you know, yes. but Oprah really was profound. So anyway, she has this thing that she asks people and she says, what do you know for sure? So, Lorraine and Linda. Oh, by the way, before you answer that. Okay. Do you remember that we always called you Lori? Yes. When did you start being Lorraine? I think when I, because I was very shy, 
well, I think when I went to high school, um, you know, you're back to they don't know your you. official name. So most of like in high school, people called me Lorraine and I just didn't correct them. Yeah, didn't correct them. Whereas grade school, you kind of um, Lorraine the pain that oh, rhyme was not interesting. good. I don't know why that either. Lorraine the brain, what well, my that's kind of nice. Grade school kids didn't go with that. <laughs> that, yeah, that Lorraine nice. the pain. <laughs> which, might. which do you prefer? You know, I, I I don't think I really have a preference because it's, you know, like there are different people in different times of gotcha. my life. But yeah. most people do call me Lorraine because I haven't, you yes, know, right. ever corrected anybody or, right. you know. I mean, that um, happened to me because in grade school, I was called Mandy, Mandy often. Yes. And then when I went to high school, they say they do the roll call your freshman year and you're Amanda. Yeah, and that was I was and like, all right, yeah. you know, you just didn't correct them. Yeah, um, and we all know a girl. This happens a lot more, I think, than people realize, because we all know know a girl named Jennifer Wilson. Now, oh yes, at grade school she was Jenny. Yeah, that's all she was. Yes. yes, apparently that's why I asked you what you prefer. She did not like that. See, I didn't know that. She yeah, and I have a hard time. I it always have hard. to correct myself yeah. mentally and say Jennifer. You know, yeah. but I remember when she went to college. I don't know about high school, but for sure, I know when she went to college, she made a decision that I am Jennifer now. Mm -hmm. And I remember right. the day she told me, she's like, I really want to be Jennifer now. And I was like, oh, this is going to be hard, but I'll do it. You know, right. You know, Absolutely. Yes. But there's that first bump yeah. in your mind. Like, I do think Lori Sethegram yeah. in my head, but I know it's Lorraine Kaczewski. Yeah. And somebody... Uh, Colleen Finnegan, who's another mutual friend who yes. grew up in my neighborhood, she said, oh, okay, Mandy Sullivan is now Amanda Solar. <laughs> it's just interesting. Yeah. But um, couldn't end this podcast without <laughs> touching upon that. <laughs> um, but anyway, what do you know for sure? I know for sure that I am lucky. Lucky to because I have been through a lot. So I'm lucky to be here. I'm lucky to have my family, you know, including my brother and sister, even though I've lost both my parents, I'm lucky to have my friends because I feel like I have a great support system that no matter what I'm going through, like I've texted you both along with Roseanne and know that I can say anything, you know, say like any prayers, positive thoughts and, you know, say what's going on and, it's like a safe space. So yes. I just feel like I'm lucky for the people who I have in my life and I'm lucky to be here. Um, I never, ever forget that. Um, but I'm just, I feel like I'm lucky and I know that I'm lucky to have the, the people that I have. They should have said lucky, Lori. Yeah. <laughs> that works. There's some alliteration. <laughs> I'm always, I love alliteration. <laughs> what about you then? Um, I know for sure that I was so incredibly, I guess, lucky to be loved uh, by my father the way I was. It really formed who I became. Um, just his unbelievable support and love from when I was just a little kid, you know, all the way uh, to an adult. Uh, my mom and I have a very um, difficult relationship. I know she loves me, but um, it's a little harder for her in some ways to show that, but he just was always so supportive and so loving. So I know for sure that his love set me up to be the person that I became. Um, and that it spurred me 
to try to be that way with my kids. And I can only hope uh, that I came close uh, to I'm being sure a parent you did, was. Because you're a wonderful friend. I, I think part of what we all are about and searching for sometimes is our worthiness. Right. There's something inherently human in doubting our worth. And it's just something I know internally, but I also see it with other people. And so when you surround yourself with people who surround you or who remind you that you are worthy, you know, we spend our lives, guys, being Catholic, saying, Lord, I'm not worthy to receive you. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. so when you spend a lot of time saying, I'm not worthy, it is very impactful when somebody counters that with you are worthy. Yeah. Right. So anyway, I really, really appreciate not only you being here and letting me interview you guys, but also your support of all of the craziness that I do. You always, from the time I'm, you know, we're all singing together and I'm like, let's put on a show. <laughs> to, you know, this and me saying, you know, I want to do a podcast or a website or whatever it is. You're so supportive. And I'm so thankful. I'm thankful for both of you. So oh, we love you. We're, yes, we do. We love you guys. Hey, thanks for listening. And thank you so much to Billy Aronson, who gifted me with his wonderful music and even coming up with the word connections for this podcast. Thanks to my bestie, Roseanne Griffiths. She serves as the official advisor and unofficial associate producer of this podcast. Thank you to all of my friends and family who let me bounce ideas off of them. And to you guys who listen, please let me know your thoughts, your ideas, your questions. You can reach me at soulfullife at gmail.com. That's S like solar, O-L-F-U-L-L-I-F-E at gmail.com.